Hello and welcome to the Young and Brown Show. This is your host Hassan. And this is Faria. And this will be our last episode for the year 2020. And in this episode, we'll be talking about a few of the prominent headlines of 2020. And then we'll r- jump right in to seeing what we have to look forward to in 2021. So, Faria. First of all, belated Merry Christmas. How was the Christmas? How was the holidays? Oh, it was absolutely wonderful, surprisingly enough, because um, with all the restrictions, Ontario being under a province-wide lockdown, we actually ended up spending a decent amount of quality time with family indoors. So we didn't get to socialize a whole lot with extended family and friends, but it actually gave us quite a chance to do some relaxing activities at home, do some cooking and baking and watching old Christmas movies, sharing gifts with friends and family. So it wasn't too bad. How was yours? I went, um, well, one of my students literally lives next door to mine. Um, I live in an apartment, so they live in the next apartment. So I basically, I cook some food for, for them. They cook some food for me and we both gathered in their place. And we just had our um, quote-unquote potluck-ish type. But it was for dinner. So they cooked turkey and they cooked fish and they cooked vegetables. I cooked I cooked mine uh, pan smeared duck, uh, mushroom salad, chickpea salad, chicken salad. I went all healthy. A lot of salads. A lot of salads. <laughs> A lot of um, yummy food, but they just have the name salad in it because they're yes. mixed together. <laughs> That's um, wonderful, yeah. And unlike, unlike most brown brown people, we didn't have rice. Oh, that's a big miss, though. I had some rice. Um, So, yeah, that's definitely been a a pleasant Christmas. Uh, Thank God that it wasn't too bad. Um, Number of cases still seem to be quite high because of all of the Christmas shoppers right leading up to it. But I really hope that everyone in Ontario will really be following the guidelines and following um, the lockdown procedures over the next month so we can really bring down the numbers. It's a great opportunity to do that. I hope the businesses were able to kind of recuperate from previous lockdowns and do enough business leading up to Christmas that right now it's not going to be too bad for them to uh, operate differently under lockdown restrictions. So Hassan, let's go on to uh, the segment that you wanted to really talk about today, which is the prominent headlines of the year 2020. So what's the first thing that you wanted to discuss from earlier in the year? First of all, this year has been one of those in, I would say, in a millennia, where this year has been eventful right from the beginning. Um, on January 2nd, we had a third state emergency called in New South Wales, in Australia as bushfire threatened the south coast of the country. Do you remember that? That's how we started our new year. Absolutely. It was pretty um, horrific and it was really sad. I was looking at images and videos of burnt animals, just burnt alive to death, and it was just really heartbreaking. Yeah, a lot of species were being threatened. A lot of native species, which are not found anywhere else in the world, were being threatened. So, yeah. Around the same time. It definitely was not a good start to the year. Yeah. And it hasn't ended yet. Um, Around the same time, that happened while that happened on the east side of the eastern part of the world, on the western part of the world, Iran uh, General Qasim Suleiman was killed in a uh, US drone strike that also happened on January 2nd. 
On January 7th, the World Health Organization, WHO, was notified of the novel coronavirus that we know as COVID-19 in China. On January 8th, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle announced that they are stepping down from their duties as senior royals in the Buckingham Palace. On the same day, Iran launched a ballistic missile at two military bases in Iraq, injuring American soldiers. And on the same day, a Ukrainian flight crashed in Tehran, killing 176 passengers on board. On January 11th, China records its first coronavirus death. On January 16th, the impeachment of a current and sitting president of the United States of America, which just happened twice before in the history of America, President Donald Trump's impeachment trial began. On January 20th, the first coronavirus in US was reported in Washington state, and that is how we first started our whole journey in North America of the coronavirus. January 23rd, Wuhan, China became the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak and went into an unprecedented lockdown impacting 11 million residents. January 26th, Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant, along with seven other passengers, died in a helicopter crash in California. January 31st, the United Kingdom withdrew from European Union formally. February 5th, Trump is acquitted by the Senate on both articles of impeachment, but he was impeached by the Congress. On January 11th- You mean by the House? By the House, yes. The WHO names coronavirus as COVID-19. On February 24th, Harvey Weston is found guilty of third-degree rape and first-degree criminal sexual assault. On March 10th, Italy became the first country in the world to, impe to implement a nationwide lockdown. March 11th, WHO declares coronavirus as a pandemic. March 13th, Trump declares a national emergency amid the coronavirus pandemic. March 16th, Dow Jones plunges 2,997 points, and it is a worst drop since 1987 amid coronavirus fears. March 24th, the 2020 Summer Olympics, which was supposed to be held in Tokyo, Japan, was postponed until 2021. On April 2nd, Global coronavirus causes, uh, surpasses 1 million cases. April 7th, officials in Wuhan, China, lifts the countrywide lockdown after 76 days. Sorry, citywide lockdown after 76 days. On April 9th, the New York State alone has the highest number of coronavirus cases than any other country in the world. Around that and in the contemporary time, George Floyd was killed and Black Lives Matters protests started. Coming to August 4th, there was an explosion in Beirut, Lebanon. On August 11th, the Democratic candidate Joe Biden selected California Senator as his running mate, making her the first Black and first Asian woman 
candidate for a major presidential tic- uh, vice presidential ticket. In mid-August, deadly wildfires erupted in California to Washington state, burning, burning million of a- millions of acres and displacing hundreds and thousands of people. On October 2nd, President J- Donald Trump announced that he and his wife, Melina Trump, has tested positive for coronavirus. On November 7th, Joe Biden became the 46th president of America. And then finally, we have the coronavirus vaccine, which is still going on on a very limited scale. Absolutely. But I would love to end that segment by saying that we have the first ever mRNA type of vaccines to be approved in the world. So for someone who doesn't know um, the immunology of it, this is a very, very different model of creating a vaccine. It's not the typical thing. Vaccines are typically made with proteins and adjuvants, which kind of trigger the immune system. So they're better defended against the main disease. But mRNAs are like a small piece of genetic material, which have never before been approved for uh, as a treatment or as a vaccine in any other disease. So this is really exciting. And both the two first to get approved in the U.S. Um, and in Canada, which is the Pfizer, BioNTech, and the Moderna vaccines are the world's first two mRNA vaccines to be approved. So that's really interesting. Um And I think there are a lot of good and bad things um, that we just heard in this segment uh, in the prominent headlines of 2020. Um, In general, I would say the bad did overweigh the good. There was a lot more reasons, a lot more loss of lives, loss of animals, um, loss of business and income and jobs and stability in the economy that we have to mourn. Um, That actually flows very well into our second segment for today, where we will be talking about the future, the next year, 2021, where I I will be telling you guys about three good things to look forward to in 2021 and three less interesting or more grim or potentially worrisome things to think about for 2021. So, Hassan, which one should I start with? Let's start with the negative, shall we? Yes, yes. I mean... This year has been negative, so might as well start with negative and we'll end with something positive and something hopeful to look forward to. Absolutely. So one thing that I was not happy is, uh, as you might know, I'm based in Ottawa, so I'm always worried about the community here and how my fellow um, citizens are doing in this city. Or So one thing that I would just want to read out is a ctvnews.ca report uh, out of their Ottawa branch, and it says, the 2021 budget for OC Transco proposes a 2.5% fare hike on New Year's Day. Under the plan, the cost of an adult monthly bus pass was in, will increase $3 on January 1st to $122.50. So that's definitely not something that I want to look forward to is increasing prices of things where we have, we didn't end up having this province-wide increased minimum wage for the second time. It was supposed to go up to 15 and unfortunately um, that never happened. But um, just to cut you off, I mean, I'll let you continue, but we have something else to say, something hopeful in Toronto. Um, The mayor of Toronto has um, promised or has um, said that they will freeze the TTC, the Toronto Transit Commission. So which is the buses and the subway fares will be freezed for the next year. And he said, and I quote, in the wake of this unprecedented pandemic times, which has hit our TTC extremely hard, 
it is right and responsible to do the right thing while keeping the TTC fare affordable for the residents who need it by freezing the fares. So that's something good out of Toronto. Absolutely. And that kind of brings me to the next thing, which is a little bit bittersweet. So this uh, particular article says um, that Ford government introduces rent freeze legislation for 2021. And some of these articles are from September, October and November. Um, But there's definitely some loopholes in there. There's some concern in there. It definitely brings me um, to the good and the bad sides of the next one, where we're talking about the rent freezing legislation for 2021. While the Ford government did introduce rent freeze legislature for the 2021, some of these articles have been coming out since September, October and November. But there still seems to be a lot of concerns around the legislature itself. For example, this one article on Global News Canada says Ontario rent freeze could mean more evictions, critics say. So one of the concerns that people have is even if rent is frozen by the province uh, with this legislation, what might happen is a lot of people who are currently the landlords um, who have tenants which, which don't have that kind of strong lease agreements to hold their place and be protected as tenants, those landlords now they can't increase the rent. So what they might be much more likely to do is just end up evicting these people right now and getting a new tenant at a higher rate. Because if you have a new tenant, you don't necessarily have that limitation. You can actually start off with asking them for a higher rent, and which you cannot do for your existing tenants who are now um, in a rent freeze by the province. So what do you uh, think about that, Hassan? Like, do you think it's yes, a good uh, thing? It's a bad thing? Well, um to say that let me just say something which came out in december 20 uh, december 14th this this month um and it's an article in cbc news um it says covid19 has made reading the next year's real estate market even harder than before so no one knows what what will happen because uh, according to a study which was conducted in june this year um the the uh, in june the market, the rental market was down 27% year on year, and it has dropped 41% in May. But it has increased, it was increased by uh, 74, which was increased by 74% in the first half of the, of the month. So to coming back to your question, is a good thing, is a bad thing? Freezing the rent, those who can afford, it's somewhat, somewhat of a blessing for them. But uh, again, those who are finding it difficult are people who have lost their jobs. Um, getting ev- evicted is, um, I don't think eviction should be, I mean, rent freezing is fine, but I don't think eviction should be legal at, so far um, right now because people are struggling to get back on their feet. Um, they're doing everything that they can. Um, people who are, who are work, low-age earners, a family of say three people, a father, a mother, and a child, where both the parents are working. It's As it is, it is tough for them to live in an expensive place such as Toronto. And uh, if top of, the, if top of that, if one of them loses their um, work or job um, and they're finding it difficult to um, pay their rent, I don't think 
giving or evicting them is the right choice because ultimately Absolutely. it will lead to lead to a lot of homelessness or a lot of bankruptcy declaring declaring of bank, bankruptcy and stuff definitely i think there is two things that we need to uh, see here one is the definitely um freezing of evictions without cause is something that the ford government should be thinking about so you can't evict until unless there is like actual cause like they have broken actual agreements um of property damage or anything else um the other thing that people themselves as citizens should be thinking about is if they haven't already before 2021 starts or in the next couple of weeks they should think about getting into a lease agreement if they don't have one already something that will make it much harder for their landlords to evict them if they they're thinking about that so that could be one way of people protecting themselves is offering or speaking to their landlords or their building management service and saying that you know we want to be in a lease for the next one year just so they know that their place is pretty secure um that would make it harder to evict them so that's definitely like an important thing to consider for me something interesting happened is my rent was due to increase in april and then it didn't for four or five months my building said because of covid and yada yada we're actually going to freeze your rent and then sometime around october or november they implemented it so i think they kind of waited for this time between the lockdowns because ottawa was not in lockdown for several months in the middle so they took that opportunity to go through with the rent increase and i think they're going to try and look for these little gaps they're going to keep issuing the notices and whenever government um you know picks up restrictions that's the time that they're all going to come down with the rent increases um i was still fine with it because i was mentally prepared for the rent increase this year but if it keeps on increasing next year and we don't know how our job situations or the economy is going to be so that's definitely going to be something to be concerned about um especially for bigger families like you're saying yeah but i think rent should be controlled there should be a cap of rent because the the way the rental market is going is just going higher and higher and it is for a a student or a single person or a family of two who are struggling financially it is very tough for them to actually get a decent place for themselves yeah so our, our, our new a fresh grad or a new new graduate it is very tough people who are moving out or stepping out on their own for the first time in their life it's very yeah. tough for them to survive in places which is economic hubs such as outside vancouver or um, toronto or even downtown ottawa yeah so that brings me to my um third article that i want to discuss today which is a third thing to kind of be wary of or to kind of worry about in 2021 um so this article is uh, out of kitchener waterloo and it's a ctv news article that's the, the headline says grocery costs expected to increase in next year and the article basically describes a lot of the business owners talking about how they had to offer more money to hold on to the staff because these are frontline positions um in grocery stores and then they had to add many more staff positions sometime to divert traffic to control the number of people within the store at a certain time hundreds of extra dollars of cleaning hours and cleaning supplies so overall they're saying that business costs have gone up and as a result grocery costs can be expected to increase next year so for an average like low income or middle income family in ontario um i definitely think there is a reason to worry that not only uh, might there be price hikes there might be risk of evictions and now we're hearing that grocery the most basic thing they need to survive um the there could be uh, yeah food that that might be threatened and they their affordability might decrease so what are your thoughts on that 
I mean, see, I understand from which point these companies are coming from, but they also have to understand that we are finally getting back up on our feet after a pandemic. So to put a pressure on families or anyone who who's in a bad state, it's not only um, unjustified, it is immoral as well. Again, that's my point of view or that's my um, own, in my own judgment um, because people are people who lost their jobs. They are finding jobs. They are struggling to meet their, uh, make their ends meet. And if you take away two basic things, a roof above their head, a shelter above their head, and a food on the table, what, what else is left? You're just throwing that person out into the wolves for the wolves to eat. Like, what, what will he do? Unless, unless, I mean, that's when I, I would say the crime rate will also increase because he needs to survive. He will be pushed to the brink. And it will be surviving. I'm, I'm just, I'm just afraid of that at this point. Absolutely. Um, so those are definitely some very concerning things that we need to be prepared for. And I hope government and all these policymakers are starting to identify room for work and room for help and support that the population needs to work hand in hand with businesses to make sure they can mitigate some of these negative effects. So that does bring us to the three good things that I believe we can um, look forward to in 2021. Not so fast. Wait, I have a few bad things more myself. More bad things? I thought we were done with the whole headlines and the three bad things. Well, um, now let's come to employment. So as of January 2nd, 2021, employees will no longer be deemed, and this is from uh, Norton, uh, Norton Rose Fulbright. So I'm not so sure how authentic that thing is, but it looks pretty legit uh, what they claim. Uh, the first is employees will not will no longer be deemed to be on infectious disease emergency leave. So on January 2nd, that is ending. And second thing is they can fire a person even if they're on the leave for unrelated, un, uh, unrelated COVID unrelated causes, which was not there before. What are your thoughts? I think the employment market is going to change in a couple of different ways. So I, I was actually going to put that under my good things. So let's discuss that. One more thing. One second. Um, so, yeah. So let's move on to our three good things about 2021, because that's kind of where I want to engage with you about employment. So um, one of the things is that I was reading on a LinkedIn article today that employment has probably changed forever. A lot of companies which have moved to work from home formats will probably never go back to working in offices because they can save on uh, office space and this and that. And we're even hearing that the government might be giving some tax credits um, back to people who, who are um, using office uh, space at home. So they're using home space and home resources and other things. And honestly speaking, offices going forward, when they require people to work from home, they should be compensating people for the uh, home resources they're using, right? More internet use, home space, office supplies, and et cetera, that they're having to now use in the home space. But I also think that em employment can change in a good way because it's opening up jobs for people who were otherwise not going to get that job. 
So I'll give you an example. Because a lot of it is remote, you don't even need to be in the same city, which means people who are missing out on job opportunities because they're maybe outside the city or they're in a different province or they're in a different place where they don't have good um, commuting opportunities, right? They don't, they can't drive in 10 hours to work every day. Those people in those remote parts of the country might be able to start getting those jobs because now it's all online and work from home. The second kind of benefit that I think new style of employment can bring in is that like, for example, single mothers who might not have somebody to take care of their child, they, they can't necessarily afford the expensive daycare that exists in a lot of places in Ontario. Um, they might be able to, you know, kind of still be at home and do their work from home while still being the adult of the household and kind of going in every couple of hours and making sure things are okay with children. So I do see a lot of people who might have other kinds of disabilities, other responsibilities, um, not able to commute long distances. So the job market can actually uh, evolve for the better and open up in those ways. But there's also now some concerns that employment is going to start affecting people in their personal lives. There won't be a nine to five. There will be less of a work-life balance. So I, I do think there's good and bad to how employment is going to change. But in, in terms of large-scale employment increases and decreases or unemployment rates, I think it's going to be very industry-specific. And I would want to warn our listeners to kind of start thinking of a post-COVID world and start working on your skill sets and your resume because you should be identifying which nearest industry you might have to transition to in order to remain employable. Which means if you were primarily a retail employee with the shutdown of a lot of different kinds of retail stores, a lot of layoffs, some of them might never come back into business. Some of them are moving permanently online or they're going to be cutting down on a lot of retail positions, right? Because the world is kind of adapting to online shopping and home deliveries and this and that. So what's the nearest skill set transfer you can do in order to still remain employable? right? Even in other sectors, tech sectors here and there, if you think there's going to be a lot of research happening, a lot of clinical trials happening, or every business is going to want to look at markets in a certain way going forward, then try to evolve or represent your skill sets in your resume to get jobs or move to jobs which you think might be most more secure in a post-COVID world. So it's definitely time to start thinking about, am I still going to stay relevant? Is my job going to stay relevant in 2021 and beyond? True, true. Um, so I think we have talked about this in a previous episode as well. Um, keeping yourself updated in terms of job market. I think it was a second um, second episode that we were talking about to keep ourselves updated and um, hone our skills and learn new skills to make ourselves more marketable, more employable is the key. And it is now more than ever that is um, more than a, it's more of a necessity now than just, you know, a passive way of inc increasing your uh, chance of employability. Now you need to learn new skills to be more employable. Yeah, absolutely. So that was definitely a good thing that I was looking at, that the employment market might open up for a lot of different people. So that's one thing to look forward to in 2021. The second thing is, of course, that the vaccination attempts that have been put in place this year, like we had a year long of research happening all across the world, governments and private pharmaceutical companies all investing millions and billions of dollars into research and stuff. So a lot of those fruits have started to come into completion in the end of 2020. And I think we will be able to see its impacts more wide scale through 2021. So 2021 is likely going to be the year when large scale vaccination 
happens throughout the world, right? Large populations of countries are going to have and receive these vaccines. And I, I don't think that it will be um, safe enough to say, okay, we can just go back to normal as soon as we've been getting the vaccine. Because a lot of policymakers are still suggesting you still have to maintain social distancing. You can still be a carrier, even if you're not infected. Um, you should still be wearing masks and such. All great. But I still think it will be one of those milestone years when we will get XYZ number or millions of people or billions of people globally vaccinated. Um, not to say there are people are not protesting about it, but you know, if they if they care about their loved ones, maybe not for them, but for their loved ones, they need and they must take uh, vaccines. Don't you agree? Um, I would say that Ontario will definitely most likely not have any laws or workplaces and employers will not have laws to kind of enforce vaccination. So in order to convince all of the skeptics about this vaccine, there will need to be a lot more awareness um, by employers, by public health, by um, Health Canada, and so on. Because even then, like, end of the day, whether you call them anti-vaxxers or anything or skeptics or whatever we call them, we need them to be vaccinated because every like a, a large proportion of the population needs to be vaccinated to protect the rest of them. And there will be people who will not qualify for it. So I'll give a one example is I actually have um, a relative who has a, a condition called Guillain-Barre disease. So in GBS or Guillain-Barre syndrome. So in that condition, she is no longer eligible to receive vaccines of any kind because it's too risky. Any kind of mild uh, vaccination or mild infection can flare up her neurological condition and autoimmune condition. So there's a lot of people around us who might be immune compromised, who might have cancers, who might have um, other kinds of autoimmune diseases and conditions and not be eligible. Even pregnant women, children are not yet eligible. So in order to keep those people safe, the rest of the people will need to get vaccinated, which means we have to work and target um, anti-vaxxers and try to have awareness campaigns targeted towards them, information sessions targeted towards them. Otherwise, we're just putting everyone at risk. Yes, but honestly, I am I'm more, while you are taking a more uh, diplomatic approach, I'm kind of more hardline on this, that we have heard enough of your side of the story and we know what happens i mean time's up your 15 minutes of fame is up you have to take it it's either it's a life or death situation so it's either the normal scientific way or you know there's no other way call me call me a dictator but i'm just trying to save their lives and everyone else that's near them yeah i suppose so now i want to talk about the third thing which is a little bit more um, I'm probably being very optimistic by saying this. The third good thing I have to look forward to 2021 is that businesses which have been resilient and which have managed to evolve will be thriving in 2021. So I'll give you a small example is when 2020 happened, people were in shock. It kind of took us by surprise. We were not expecting it. A lot of business models thought they could write it out. Okay, let's stay shut down. Let's stop operations and see in one month, two months, three months, maybe this will all go away. So people who kind of operated on that kind of short-term uh, solution, a lot of those businesses got shut down. Small businesses and even larger organizations with lots of retail outlets, they realized they just can't handle staff sitting there. Um, so what happens next year is kind of different. By now, we have realized, including citizens, businesses, and staff, that this is going to be the new normal. 
So in 2021, we can expect to see a lot more innovation in business strategies, a lot more innovation in the economy of how people are choosing to deliver goods and services. So I'll give you one example is a couple of businesses in Toronto, actually, um, restaurant businesses, which realized that once again, we're in a lockdown. And this is likely to keep happening over the course of the next year as well. Every time too many cases, we go into lockdown, too many cases, lockdown, we lift it. People don't follow social distancing. So they've understood the pattern by now. So a lot of them are now like only operating the kitchen and doing deliveries, but they've been expanding the delivery radius. So they're now focusing all of their resources towards a delivery or takeout model and increasing customer bases by increasing the delivery radius around each um, restaurant outlet. So this is just such a simple thing that I heard today from a Toronto resident. And I'm just amazed about how simple things are innovative strategies in businesses to serve, not just survive this, but thrive in it. If you have realized that your um, uh, restaurant or your retail's outlet or your store is just not going to end up seeing a lot of indoor customers, it's probably a good time to invest in the next one to two years, go to a smaller place or expand your kitchen area, reduce your seating area, use a larger packaging area and takeout area, and just focus all of your energy into the service you can provide instead of worrying about the one you can't. Right. So delivery and takeout is one of them. A lot of people are providing a lot of like guided yoga and meditation virtually all of these classes. So a lot of our trainers who are at risk of being unemployed when the group gym activities shut down are now trying to find new kind of avenues of their self-employed income through um, guided coach and stuff um, using Zoom and other platforms. Um, another amazing thing, not businesses necessarily, but institutions, ed education and academic institutions have done is they have been forced to um, upgrade the way that their um, their teachers and professors are trained to handle digital tools and technology. This has forced us and is going to keep bringing the results next year. When we see professors who are maybe have been around a long time, but hasn't really been given that kind of good training uh, on IT tools and digital class delivery tools and um, digital proctoring tools and other things. And now they're being given paid training by the universities and by the colleges and by the institutions and managers to equip them for this century, to equip them for this decade. So I definitely think there were some struggles and hiccups along the way in the last couple of months. But going forward, the next one and two semesters of school should become a breeze. So these are good things in 2021. We have done our adjustment period. We're ready to start thriving in a digital environment and thriving in a work from home environment. So what do you think about that, Hassan? Let me first say something about the education and then I'll say something or it just something just struck me and maybe we should start a business up by ourselves for yeah, you and I. Uh, well, <laughs> well, like what? First, uh, well, I'm coming to that. Um, but the first thing is education. Yes. Um, education is all about adapting and what the teachers are, what they, what they, what they taught me is to adapt to the, and make us ready for the oncoming adversities that we'll face in life. So right now, um, I think the world or the nature has shown that education or the education industry that, okay, you need to adapt to the changing demands. Um, to people and make it more accessible and train more people, uh, for example, your professors and your staff to give more, um, uh, I mean, off, off, uh, uh, less physical education, more online classes. 
uh, and imp- and make more make learning more um, not just you know blackboard and chalk kind of environment but make it more interesting for the students and find different ways to grow their passion of learning and understanding and researching and increase their um, curiosity. That's from education perspective. But coming to the um, food perspective, um, the uh, restaurants, I mean, I think, you know how franchises now grows on like Tim Hortons and uh, McDonald's and Subways, right? I think in near future, there will be kitchen franchises um, and maybe, and ladies and gentlemen, this is copyrighted by us. We have come up, come up <laughs> with this idea. Where live be kitchen, on air. Live yeah. on air. <laughs> will be kitchen franchises uh, where like people will, they'll, they'll learn the recipes and they'll, and there'll be different parts. For example, I can talk about uh, this part of Ontario where I'm talking about um, Mississauga, I'm in GTA area um, where maybe this, this particular restaurant was only found in Scarborough. But um, now it can, now people can, uh, and people from Mississauga had to come all the way to Scarborough to find this particular sweet or this particular traditional uh, food. But then because things are becoming so decentralized, uh, this, they can find it more within their radius, more, more kitchens would be there in their radius delivering this food. And, um, and then Faria, you and I should have this. You can start one in Ottawa. I can start one in Toronto, and then we can expand. And you know, well, I definitely be... don't think this is a million-dollar business idea, but definitely, um, it's new and it's innovative, and um, we well, have zero experience in the food industry. Yes, but we came up with this idea, so at least we should uh, register. Yeah, you this. should go ahead and patent it, Hassan. Yes, I'm with you. My brain, my brain just came up with it. Like, okay, this is so what that, that was a rather <laughs> hilarious end to our episode today where Hassan believes that he has come up with a mil- billion dollar idea and he will patent it and copyright it and you can come ahead and pay us money in order to um, use this idea. Yeah, LOL. So that kind of brings us to the end of today's episode. I think a lot of the things we've covered today were pretty grim, but these were the realities of 2020. And I personally, I'm pretty optimistic about 2021. I think in most industries and in most part of our lives. We have to, because we are tired of 2020. Yeah, we're just tired of being pessimistic. So we're just choosing to be optimistic now. But I think that all of the like last minute surprises and all of the frustration has done. And we've adapted and the result is coming in 2021 when it's a world that has adapted to a new kind of health environment and economic environment. There's still a lot of um, adapting to do to actual environment, which is climate change disasters. But we'll definitely have to do another episode on that coming up. Baby steps, baby steps. Absolutely. So this is it. Um, 31st of December. Crazy times. We wish you all a very happy new year and a much better 2021 than 2020. This is Hassan. And this wishing is Wishing you a very happy new year. Happy new year, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>